Okay. What did you talk about last week? No ideas. And what is the series? Did he did he say? Loneliness. Nope. Um, not series. Cycling. Well, that has to be just one. Loneliness. Feeling. I haven't been here for like a month. Struggles in the real world. Struggles in the Christian life. Life. Exclamation point. So you looked at loneliness. Yep. L-O-N-L. A lot of people are lonely. I don't spell that word. It's okay, I can't spell for the life of me, so like, go ahead and... Oh, wrong. <laughs> Alright, what did you talk about with loneliness? Um, a lot of people are lonely. Like, 50% of mothers, new mothers. One in three... Um, yeah. Okay. Why do we care? Um, <laughs> kind of like separation from God, because like you want like, like, if you're feeling that lonely, you need to know what life matters with you. Okay. So maybe solution. <coughs> what else? Um, talked about like the sin cycle. Oh, is that where it's like you sin and then makes you feel guilty? And then you separate from God. By sinning again, because yeah, and then you sin again. And then you feel guilty over and over and over. So all you need to do is not do that and ask Jesus for forgiveness, and then that won't happen. Okay. Anything else you have to add? Because, like, one side is. Or, like. A sin cycle, but then there could be a break in it. And go, yeah, like that. No, three points. Like that? And then there's another one. Sin. It's a good cycle. Oh, the good cycle. Because you can get off of that one. And get on, and get on to the other end. You're Jesus. Okay. Ask me for forgiveness. I can't do this now. That would be super. What? Wait. Are those, are they connected? No. Yes. Well, yes. But once you get off of Jesus, then you go around again and you join the bells. I don't know. I drew what was described. That doesn't make sense. That makes no, it does because yeah, because that um, this would be sin, and that would be no sin, 
And so you're doing that, you're doing that, and then that would be the decision to sin again or to, to, to ask for forgiveness. And depending on which way you go, puts you into that cycle. I assume. Well, if you'd have more. Well, was it another cycle, or was it just like a way to break the cycle? I think it was like a way to break the cycle, but so that, that makes sense. That other one is the cycle. No single, just the need. It's like a straight and narrow way. Yeah. But then you can like go back. But you don't want to. Happy. Oh, and then. Oh. And then something happens. And so you can either sin or be like, hey, feeling really stressed because you know me. And we figured it out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, <coughs> talk about anchor. <coughs> you should always say things you're thankful for before you pray. Oh. Was that on Tuesday? That was, but that was an earlier. Oh, man. That was our prayer series. But that's good because prayer relates to many 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 topics in the bible right okay so this week we're going to look at a different one a different struggle That's part of it, but angry. Oh, all yes. But that's not a sin, right? Because God was angry. Well, we're gonna talk about it. It depends on how angry you are. Depends on why you're angry. Yeah. If you're just angry because you're angry. And who you take your anger out on. Or if you take your anger out on somebody. By all of your comments, I can tell that you've been angry before. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, it's, it has been there since the beginning of your life, before you can remember. You only have to spend time around a two-year-old or a three-year-old for maybe like five minutes to find out that they get angry very easily. And maybe you've done some of these things even as a teenager, and you probably will do some of these things as an adult that you do when you are angry, things like stomp your feet, hit somebody or something, scream, cry, groan, shoot glaring looks, radiate heat from your body, either intentionally or accidentally. And if you go through the Bible, you would find that there is probably hardly any character that you spend more than a day in their life looking at them where they are not at some point angry. You were probably at some point angry today with something or somebody or something I was angry today. At one point today, even though all day I was thinking about what am I going to talk about with anger, and I still got angry. 
I dropped something and I uttered some sort of angry noise and immediately thought, well, that was really dumb because I can just bend over and pick up what I dropped and it didn't hurt anything, but it made me angry. And not even a good reason to be angry, but apparently it's just in our blood. It's part of who we are to be angry. And I notice it more and more. You'll find out when you have kids, if you choose to have kids, that things that even you knew were something that was a part of you, you see it more obviously. And Eve gets very angry if she just drops something or is trying to carry five things and drops one of them. It's like a meltdown of it didn't go perfectly. I didn't get to carry it all the way across the room. I dropped it. Or I wanted that line that I drew to be perfectly straight and it's not. And I'm going to throw a fit about it. <coughs> and you, you think, well, you'll outgrow that. But we really don't outgrow those kinds of things. It just changes into something else. Like, I really wanted my car to start and run and go to work today. And it didn't start, so now I'm really mad. Not much different from I can't draw a smiley face or whatever. If we go through and think about characters in the Bible, characters who were angry at some point that stand out to you, who are some that you can think of? I tell you to think of somebody that you would choose as a perfect example of somebody who had anger issues or had Cain. Cain, that's a good one. Moses? Moses is good. Was it a, no. I mean, probably. Abel? No, no, I was gonna say. Ahab? Abraham? Yeah, I think I remember. Because I was thinking, I always get him and Moses. Uh, I'd have to look specifically, but I, the place I would look would be stuff to do with Ishmael, and but not not a major issue for him. Jonah. Jonah, that's a good one. Yeah. Um. Uh, when David was the king. David, good one. Oh yeah. Oh, um, Judas. Judas, that's good. Judas, scary. Right. Peter. Iscariot. Because wasn't he angry? Because he didn't Jesus. Um, he may have been angry. Uh, it doesn't say that particularly. Um, 
And he cut off the guy's ear, didn't he? Is that the same guy? Yeah. yeah. Yes. That was angry. Um, that, that's more like fear. Oh, yeah, yeah I would say it was probably yeah, out of fear. Yeah. Paul? Paul, that's a good one. Before he was Paul, right? Yeah, before he was Paul. I don't remember. Saul. Saul. Yes. Saul. <laughs> Sinful Saul. Um, perfect Paul. <laughs> Not that he was perfect afterwards. We don't have to name every. I had what else? Who else did I have on here? Um, you got most of them. I had Samuel and Samson were two other ones. Oh, Samson. Yeah, Samson. Yeah. Well, he got mad um, when they guessed his his riddle. So he killed very people. Yes. <laughs> Look. He yeah. He had all he had a lot of issues, but um okay, so now that we've thought of some and you've thought of some situations of when people in the Bible were angry, what is so bad <laughs> about getting angry? Mm, what it results to. It makes you feel hate towards people. Didn't Jesus say that that leads to murder in your mind or something like that? Yes, he did. Oh, yeah. yeah. That it's the same thing as if you murdered somebody. <coughs> Talk about that, but not with hate. Yes. Okay. Um. What is so bad about anger? Okay. Actions, I'm going to put down. <clears throat> what kind of actions? Immature. Huh? Immature. Immature, that's good. Um, what might, what is a biblical word that you might use? Oh. Same thing. That's good. I mean, that's kind of a given because we're talking about struggles, right? So they're all going to be <coughs> what what would lead to sin. If you're not a wise person, foolish, foolish things, right? If you are immature, you do foolish things, not wise things. Usually, we do foolish things. If we don't normally do foolish things, we, then we for sure do them when we allow our motion, emotions to take over, right? A loneliness is an emotion or a, a feeling, right, that you can have, just like anger is. Um, so let me ask you this then. What does it, we talked, a, we've already explored this with what makes it so bad, but what does anger do inside of you? What does it do to you inside? While you think about it, turn to Ephesians chapter 5. <clears throat> Verse 26, when you get there. 
Chapter 5. Yep. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26 through 31. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing. Oh, I'm sorry. It should be chapter 4. I wrote it down wrong because sometimes if the chapter finishes and then there's one verse at the bottom, it says five at the top of the page, and I wrote down the wrong. Sorry. Chapter 4, verse 26. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole heal no more, steal no more, but rather let him waver, working with his hands and the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Okay, so this is Paul. He's writing to the church of Ephesus. And he is telling them things that they should do and things that they shouldn't do because they've been struggling with some things in the Christian life. And there are some other things that middle section there isn't necessarily related. Those are just some other things that they struggled with. But first you read there very directly, what does he tell them not to do? Oh, don't There's... sin in your anger. Don't sin in your anger. Hold on, read it again. What's it say? Verse 26. Can we read out loud? Okay, that's a good part. Don't stay angry. Is that what the let not the sun go down upon your wrath? Yes. So don't stay, don't like keep on you. Don't dwell on it, right? You don't keep thinking about it and keep ramping yourself back up and being like, oh, that just makes me so mad. <coughs> now, I'm not telling you, there are times to talk to somebody about things that are making you angry. That can be a good thing, to talk to somebody who is a friend, someone that you're essentially saying, I'm struggling with this, I need some help. And that's one thing, but sometimes you get into a, I just want to feel angry. So I'm going to keep bringing it up, and I'm going to keep talking about it, and I'm going to be angry about this because I want to be. All right, so that's a, good, that's a good little side thing that he's got in there. But that first part of the verse, I want to <laughs> dissect this because it's important how it's said. It says, be ye angry and sin not. Okay, what does that tell you? Bible scholars from what other things you know in the Bible Don't 
We talked about a bunch of people who have sinned. No, sorry. They did sin. Almost all these examples that you have here. So what? Your anger, cloud, your um, thoughts. That's true. Yes, that's true. Who else gets angry? Probably recorded more than anybody else about being angry or um, exercising seeing wrath. God. He gets angry, right? We've read quite a few times where he's been angry. Oh, uh, one of our prayer topics, we talked about God was so angry with the Israelites, he was going to kill them all and start over with Moses. But, thankfully, Moses asked him not to do that. So, is anger, well, I think you know, anger is not inherently wrong then, right? If God does it and he's perfect, logically, if you know those two things to be true, then it can't be all wrong. I would say, and you can even say loneliness, that's not a bad thing to feel, right? It's not sinful. It's not sinful on its own. It's built into you to be lonely because it's telling you something. <clears throat> hey, something's not right. Uh, you have your feeling of loneliness. That means you need to do, and whatever it is for you, you learn who you are and what you need. You need to do X. Go and do that. Anger is also not inherently a bad thing. In fact, we get it from God, right? How did God make you? In his image. In his image, okay? So because you're made in his image, you have emotions like he has, or some of them, and one of those is that you get angry. So here it says, be angry, but don't sin. <clears throat> Do you, should you act on every emotion that you have? No. Yeah. No. You would be... Dead. You might, it might lead to your death. It, <clears throat> it leads to... I, the best way to say is just chaos in your life. Your life will be, will just be chaos. You'll act like a fool, and it'll be chaotic. Let's jump down to third, verse 31 here. What does he say then you should do? When you, when you feel angry. Um, put it away. Put it away. Okay. So that, that is a fight within your spirit, within your mind, to battle that anger and what you feel like doing with it, okay? Whether it's to dwell on it, whether it's to act on it, to act out. Um, now, we mentioned Moses. I want to look at... Moses being angry. There's quite a few times where he's angry. That's one of his struggles that he has, a big one for him. 
What's the first time we see Moses angry? Do you remember? He melted the idols down. He did. Water and made the people drink it. He did. I I don't know if it's right, but I always I really I like that because I like the dynamic dynamis dynamicism. I don't know the dynamics of it, and maybe it's a bad thing that I like it. I like how he's how he acts when he's angry in that, where he's like, "I'm gonna grind this down and now drink it." Was it when he hit the rock with the stick? He made it. He did, yup. He was also angry at them because they just were kept pestering him. He was really frustrated with them. He was supposed to speak to it and he struck the rock and the water came out. First time we got angry is when he killed the Egyptian guy. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. And they're like, well, we'll hide him. Right? Cain also killed, right? Mm hmm. That's a pretty big one. He killed an Egyptian. Now, why did he kill an Egyptian? Because the Egyptian was hurting a Jewish guy. Oh, yeah. Okay. He got angry. So, who made him judge and executioner? Himself. He did, right? Okay. What led to him doing that? I know you said he, the guy is whipping one of his people, somebody that is a relative. I mean, obviously it's a, it's a very big, they're a nation at this point, but he's related to that person. What did you say, Gideon? Yeah, right, yes, why is he angry? What made him angry about that? The unfair treatment of his relative. Okay. It, an injustice, right? Something that is unfair. He's frustrated. He is really fed up. How old was he when he does this? Do you know? 40? Yep, he's 40. <coughs> so he's been seeing this happen. We don't know when he becomes, if he was... I, I would... I would surmise that he was aware that he was not an Egyptian even though he was raised in Pharaoh's palace because the Bible says that his mother was his nursemaid or cared for him until he was weaned which we in our culture and many other cultures you kind of think of that okay they are potty trained they can, they're able to where they can go to like pre-K or to kindergarten. So we're, we're pretty sure he is aware that he is a Hebrew, that he doesn't belong in the palace, but he has been picked. He's there by, if you're the Egyptians by fortune, or if you're a Christian by God's, um, by God's plan. So he has essentially his whole life been aware of who he is. Maybe he was sheltered from what happened to the other Hebrews until he got older, until he started learning to do prince things like plan buildings or be involved in how the country is run of Egypt. And then he starts to see, oh, all of my people 
are get the short end of the stick they got to do all this work they don't get any of the benefits from it they're pushed off in this other land here to be sheep herders and do whatever else they're they're oppressed they're beaten down they're whipped they're treated like they are slaves so for 35 at least years he's getting really frustrated about this and finally he decides to allow evil ideas in his mind turn into actions now is he right was he right to in his heart be opposed to what was happening to his people to be against what was being done to them yeah that was a right thing wasn't bad for him to be angry about that but he let it grow into something else like we see in verse 31 he let it become bitterness inside him he let it to become uh, wrath and then it's interesting that word in there I didn't look up what the original word is but sometimes we don't need to it says clamor what does it mean to clamor You've probably all heard that word in A Night Before Christmas. Yes? Like, there, oh yeah, you're right. It is a clatter. Now, I think it's in there too. I can't remember now. Clatter is in there, yes. Anyways, what is clamor? It's like a loud noises commotion. Mm -hmm. um, closer. Like you would say if um, <clears throat> have you all studied uh, this is a weird example but have you all studied World War I or do you know what trenches are yeah if you were to suddenly have to get out of the trench like because a grenade fell in the trench and you didn't want to die you would clamor up the side of the trench like, like climbing, sort of climbing like whatever like it's a reactionary quick movement it's not planned it's not well thought out okay so this is talking about just acting on your emotions doing things rashly without thought and that's what he ends up doing and he kills a man that's a pretty big thing and sometimes we forget about that rightfully so because Moses does so many amazing things and he's so close to God. I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 15. You can you don't have to hold a finger in Ephesians. We'll be going elsewhere. Genesis 15 verse 13. This is way back with Abraham and God is telling him um, it is a promise, but it's more of a prophecy of what is going to happen to uh, the nation that will come out of him. Verse 13, whoever's up. Thou in thy mercy has led forth the people which thou Are you in 15? I'm in Exodus. Oh, did I say Exodus? No, I meant Genesis. I, I heard that. I Sorry. Genesis. We're having problems on all sides tonight.
13. And he said unto Abraham, Abraham, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them for a hundred years. Okay. Now, is that, if you were to have told that, been told that with no context, would that be obvious that it's talking about them being enslaved to the Egyptians and being there for many years until they're finally free? Not super obvious. Just like if you look at stuff in Revelations, you kind of have an idea of what's going to happen, but it's not telling you, well, the Antichrist is going to come out of, I don't know, South Africa. It, that's not what it's telling you. It, but it's telling you some details, but not everything. So Abraham gets this. I don't know how much that was passed down to the rest of them. I would hope they had known it. But you know here, in hindsight, what we see is that Moses is trying to do things on his own. He's trying to take care of stuff on his own. He's got the right motivation because that's exactly what his job is to do, right? To free them from their bondage, to empathize with the people, to love them enough to do whatever it takes to get them out of there. He just goes about it a totally wrong way. And we can do that too if we, with, in many, many ways, just not, not just with anger. Um, is there a verse that jumps to your mind when it comes to justice and God and you taking it into your own hands? Have you ever heard, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord? Oh, I didn't even write down the reference because I assumed you would all know it. Um, but God said that. He said that you don't worry about what's right and other people not getting what's fair because I will handle that. I'm going to take care of that. I'm watching. I am the one who is keeping track of all of that. That's not your job to make sure that everything is fair. So, <clears throat> oh, I skipped ahead. But in that line, let's go to James chapter 1. It's after Hebrews. Oh, easy for you. Before Peter, First Peter and Second Peter, it's a little book. Yep. Uh, chapter one, verse nineteen and twenty. We're gonna read. Uh, remember, James is the <clears throat> the half brother. I mean, full brother. But you know what I mean by half brother. His father wasn't God. Um, of Jesus. And this is what he has to say about um, being angry and how you should deal with it. Verse 19 and 20. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, so to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not in the right righteousness of God. Okay, so 
this is stuff that Moses later did. So he first did that with anger, right? Here's the things that Moses later did. What does it say that you should be? them out of Egypt. Mostly. I mean, we have one example for sure when he should not have been angry with striking the rock because God told him that was wrong and what happened to him because of that. Or what was he prevented from? Couldn't go in the promised land. Got to see it, but couldn't go in. Well, then there's another obvious time when he's angry where the Bible says that he's angry, and that's the one Gideon mentioned. I think he did what he was supposed to do. I think he did what he was supposed to do with that situation. Just like... And this is one that you know for sure was an appropriate um, situation to be angry in. When Jesus turned over all the tem- temple, the tables in the temple, right? There are lines that are crossed where there needs to be strictness and swiftness about things that are done wrong. There are times where those actions do have to be taken, and anger might be one of the, um, those emotions that you're feeling at the time. Not that it's necessarily that they are acting out of anger, but that emotion may be present there. So, but then I want you to look at that second verse 20 that it says that the wrath or the anger of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Your anger isn't necessary for doing God's work, for doing the right things. And oftentimes, it, it is not even in the same category. So, I'm going to give you When I was in college, it happened at home, but it was when I was in college, I had, I was growing lemon trees in pots and I did get some lemons off of them a few times. And one summer I went, I was going out to water them and we had these windows that are like doors that hinge outward on the porch and they are, were, for me, they were right at the height that if they were hinged outward and open, that the sidewalk went past it. And they were like at that height where if you're looking down, you do not see it, but it's right at the height to hit you in the head. You ever run into that kind of a thing before? Yes. 
and I hit it very hard carrying my watering can. And for whatever reason, it made me extremely mad and I was, I probably said something I shouldn't have said and I threw the watering can on the ground because I was so mad that I, that I, that that window was open and I hit my head on it and I broke my favorite watering can. Not, I mean, you know, that's a watering can, but that caused me in that moment, I caused me enough, it was enough of a moment to make me think about it, to oh, never forget that moment, as dumb as it is, but in that moment, because it instantly stopped me because I broke my favorite watering can and it made me whatever say to myself, that was stupid. I broke my watering can for nothing. It didn't fix that I got hit in the head, and now I also have a broken watering can. Dumb. And obviously it didn't make it so I was never angry again. Because I just told you that I was angry at, because I dropped something today. But it did kind of make me, it was a point in life to say, you know, that's a dumb thing to do. It's stupid to get angry in just in those little things. And it that's a simplistic metaphor for something that doesn't matter. But <clears throat> it does help to point out that our actions in anger, like we said, are not ever out of wisdom or godliness. Where did we write that up? But they're almost always foolish. It's a foolish action. <clears throat> and um, a lot of times what makes things that make us angry when we get into situations or things, at least this is what I find for myself, things that make us angry are our own fault. like that watering can. I might have even been the one to open the window. Who knows? It wasn't something that anyone did malicious against me. There are also times where, I don't know if any of you are procrastinators, but where I have procrastinated to the end, then went to do it and say something like, I needed to use some program that was online or something and I went to use it and it was freezing up or it wasn't working but I needed to get it in right then or get it done. And then to get mad at it, to be like, oh, this isn't working, why isn't this working? I need this to work right now. Oh, but if you had done it two days ago, it would have been fine. It was my own doing. And oftentimes, it is just, it's honestly what's fair for it to come back on you. Another thing on a flip side of that, that's one that is where it's our past actions or things like that, that's all external about what we're doing. Another thing that is self-inflicted is to be frustrated and this kind of blends into worry, but 
you get angry about situations in your life or you get frustrated with being stuck in one place, stuck in school or stuck in a job that you don't like or stuck working on a project with these people that you got assigned or whatever it might be. I can't believe I've got a deal. And that's where it comes to where it's all about a battle within your mind, within yourself, where you're allowing these things to frustrate you. Uh, I'm not going to, we're not going to turn there, but in Matthew 6, 34, Jesus tells us to, says, do not worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will take care of itself. Does, mar does tomorrow take care of itself? Does that mean you can just sit back and do nothing? No. But what's he trying to tell you with that? Don't worry about tomorrow because there's nothing you can do about it right now. Right. There's nothing you can do about it right now. Do what you can in the moment. You can only live in the moment. You can't worry. You can't get angry about things that you think are going to happen or you think are coming up. You don't know what God's going to do till you get there. Uh, last, last place we're going to turn, Romans 8. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. 8.28. Yes, it is the letters to the Romans. I think it fit the, the music better. 28, you should all know this verse. Uh, Romans 8, 28. Oh. Go ahead, Phoebe. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. You all familiar with that verse? Okay. Now, maybe some of you are thinking, oh yeah, that's easy to say. To say, oh, everything's going to work out the way God wants it to. And it is easy to say that. And I'll tell you, there are lots of times where you should not say that to somebody if they're angry or frustrated or sad or depressed. That's probably not the right thing sometimes to say to people. Even just because something's true, it might not be helpful at the time. But it is something that you should say to yourself that you should have in your mind to train yourself to have that mindset. It's not going to fix it every time. There'll be times where you get angry and then once you get cool off a little bit, then you remind yourself, okay, it's going to be fine. I'm angry, but I just need to pick up what's broken and get back to it. God did let that happen for a reason, whatever it is. Now, one last thing, because we haven't talked about this yet. Why do we get angry or frustrated? What is the root of us being frustrated in our life or angry at situations? Okay. Yep, we're getting somewhere. In control. 
Okay, there we go. It's out of our control. You could also say it's not what you pictured was going to happen. You pictured that, I, whatever it might be, you could say, tomorrow's my birthday and I'm just picturing my mom's gonna say, what do you want for your birthday dinner? And dad bought donuts for breakfast and none of it happens. You say, nobody cared about my birthday. I can't believe they forgot my birthday or maybe they didn't forget your birthday. Or maybe it just wasn't as glamorous as you thought it ought to be. It, there's a thousand situations, but we do that is that we have a picture of how things should be in our life. Sometimes those pictures are 10 years down the road. You say, this is the job I'm going to be in. This is the place I'm going to live. This is the types of vacations I'm going to be going on. This is who I'm going to be married to. And then when those pictures don't happen, sometimes we feel depressed. Sometimes we feel angry. Sometimes we feel frustrated, different things. But, and this is something you will struggle with probably your whole life. I don't, I, am, I don't know if I've ever met anybody who, that never bothers them. Things not being how they pictured. But eventually, I hope that you learn to, at least after a while, remind yourself God's in control. This is happening for a purpose. He has this, wasn't my picture, but this is his picture. This is how, what he has planned. You, sometimes you just have to tell yourself, God's ways are not my ways. Moses tried to have it his way, right? Just killed an Egyptian. I don't know what his plan was after that. He probably didn't have one. That's why he just ran. Um, we didn't talk about Saul, but I think you are familiar with his life. He becomes king. He's picked out, anointed to be king. He, he makes some big mistakes. Does the opposite thing of what God told him to do. He, and he got real messages from God. Like a prophet came to him and said, Hey, Saul, go do this in detail and then he didn't do it and then what happens to Saul he, dies he does eventually he dies um, but before that way before that he's told you're not going to be king anymore and your your sons are not going to be king after you you God's not going to be with you now because you because of what you did and what happens to Saul is that he becomes angry and he becomes bitter and he really just makes the rest of his life miserable for like another 10 20 years miserable life where he's always jealous of David. That's all he can think about is how he's been wronged, how this isn't right. And yet, he played a role in that. He decided not to do what God said. 
So now to contrast that, somebody who is not on this list that you couldn't put on this list is Daniel. Have you ever heard of Daniel being angry? Nope, not recorded that he was ever angry. He actually, by the stories, you kind of get the feeling that he's kind of content with whatever comes along. And he really has no reason to be content. He's taken captive at like your age, taken away from his home, from his family, forced to live in another land with different gods and different rules. And although he had a nice job, he didn't get to pick his job. His job was to advise the king. And he did king after king. He probably never owned anything. He lived in a house that wasn't his, wore clothes that were not picked by him. And the only choice that he had was his ability to choose to pray to God and to still be in control of his mind. And yet, never got angry. Never angry about any of that stuff. Content with it, content to live God's plan. All of these topics in this series, struggles in the Christian life, are called struggles because that's exactly what they are. It's an ongoing thing. I'm sure Daniel struggled with anger and frustration. He just chose, like we read, to not let the sun go down on him being angry. He chose to be in control of how he acted. To not let bitterness or um, evil thoughts take over his mind. It's difficult. Those times, kinds of things tend to be the most difficult. Things that are in your mind, in, in your spirit, in your soul, in your heart. The things on the inside are the hardest to get a hold of and to control. And that's where it's helpful that we just did that series on prayer because that's one of the biggest um, tools that you have or changing how you think, how you operate inside of you. That's how you can change. You can talk to God about it. You can ask him to help change how you think and how you react to things. Okay, thank you very much, guys.